Hey there, you're listening to Ghost Notes, the podcast where we talk about music inside and out. My name is Noah, but you probably know me better as Polyphonic. And I'm Corey, and you hopefully know me as Twelve Tone. And today we're going to talk about AI-generated music. And to set expectations, neither Noah nor I is like a computer scientist or programmer or AI researcher. I am actually an AI, though. I'm not a real person. Yeah, Noah is an AI. That is true. But... <laughs> We're not really going to be focusing on the technical side of things. It's yeah. more, we're artists and art appreciators and obno most obnoxiously of all, art philosophers, I guess. Art philosopher kings. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. We are the Plato and Socrates yes. of art. The point is, we're not going to be talking a lot about the technical side. I think we're going to be focused more on, you know, let's assume that sometime in the near future, you will be able to type a description into a computer and it will give you a brand new piece of music that fits yeah. that description. What does that mean? To be clear, there there are some programs where you can do that already, but it's, it's approaching. I, a lot of yeah. this, kind of why I wanted to talk about this, is in the visual art world, it's been happening a lot lately with, you know, like Dolly and Mid Journey and all of these. Yeah. And music is slightly behind, but I think within the next few months, if not few years, like we will see the kind of widespread adoption. We'll see music hit the yeah. point that visual art is now. Yeah. I mean, few months seems optimistic to me, but again... Yeah. I'm not an expert here. And these sorts of things, they do tend to accelerate very quickly once they get going. Uh, this is one of the interesting things about a lot of AI fields is that there's the window of human capabilities is actually relatively small within the window of possible capabilities. Yeah. So like the person who is worst at making music and the person who is best at making music are in some ways a relatively small bound compared to how good or bad your music could be. You know, pretending for a second that we can... Yeah do objective quality analysis on music because I'm lazy. Removing it from quality, you could you could say the simplest and most complex music that a person could make are yeah. still relatively close compared to the levels of complexity that AIs can generate. Yeah, and you see this especially, I think this is probably more obvious when you look at like chess playing AIs where like, Yes. Or Go playing AIs. When like AlphaGo came out, that was a huge breakthrough where they went from like being pretty terrible to suddenly being able to play at the level of grandmasters. And I believe at this point beyond that as well. Yeah. So you, it's not unreasonable to me that there could be a huge sudden spike in the ability to generate AI music. Yeah. I think a couple months is still optimistic, but a couple years is not unrealistic to me. I think I tend to agree with that. Because of this, it's kind of this thing of, it's clearly coming. We're not sure exactly yeah. when it hits, but when it hits, it's going to feel like it hit overnight. You know, like it's yeah. going to feel le like, you know, suddenly they're everywhere. Because, I mean, that's how it felt, at least yeah. for me, with this AI art generation stuff. Is, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's you just blink and then it's everywhere. So, yeah, hopefully today we can kind of get out ahead of some of that so that when that yeah, day solve this problem. Yeah, exactly. And... <laughs> yeah. When that day does come, there's and everyone starts asking us our thoughts. We can point them to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it will still be entirely relevant. Everything we will have said here will be yes. applicable to whatever actually happens. <laughs> but I think it's sort of two questions that tend to come up around this are two types of questions that often get discussed in parallel that I want to sort of separate out here. Yeah. And so the first is 
uh, the art philosophy side? Like, what does this mean for art? Is this art? What kind of art is it? Who made it? Who owns it? But there's also the more practical business question, where it's just like, what does this mean not for art, but for professional artists, yes. people whose job is to make music? What does that do to their ability to pay their bills with their art? And that I think is it. I suspect we're probably going to be talking more about the first question than the second one. I assume we'll be talking a little bit about the second one. There's at least one area of that that I definitely want to get into a yeah. little bit uh, later on. But I want to separate these out explicitly because I think that these sorts of discussions can get very muddy when like people are trying to talk about these like high-minded artistic philosophy ideas to people who are just like, well, but how do I make money? Can yeah. I still afford to eat if this takes if this comes along and starts replacing a lot of low-level music composition work? I think that's that's exactly what you're seeing with the art discourse on Twitter is yeah. that exact convolution and people kind of getting at each other's throats because they're talking across each other, right? Yeah, and it's talking across, and it's also sort of combining the ideas. I think yeah. a lot of people, visual artists, are, I think, much more likely to look at AI-generated visual art and say, that doesn't count. This isn't real art as a way of protecting the professional boundaries yeah. of their work. Yeah. Which, again, I, I, I respect. Like, I'm not... This is a real concern, and I think that it's it's important in these sorts of conversations to reflect on how this actually impacts people, as well as just the vague idea of art and music and stuff like that. I agree. Do you have one of those that you want to start on? The main thing that I wanted to talk about there, I think, will probably make more sense if we start a little bit later. Okay. Once we've got in some of the groundwork laid. Yeah. So unless if there's somewhere you want to start with that, uh, we can. Otherwise, I think... The logical place to start is like, what does it mean? We're talking about AI music because we are music people. I think we can just largely generalize this to a question of AI art. Yeah, 100%. Because I think a lot of the same things apply across fields. Yeah. So I'm just going to say art from here on out. And I have been up to now most of the time. Yeah, I think a good starting place is, uh, yeah, I think we can get to the kind of business and impact stuff a little later on, like I think a good starting yeah. point is just establishing that AI art, as far as I'm concerned, is art. I want to talk a little bit about flesh out that yeah. philosophical concept around, you know, what consists of authorship and craft and creativity and stuff like that, because that's the one that's been itching me most when I kind of yeah. see people go in on this stuff. Yeah, I guess... The point that I would push back a little bit, and this is more me being me than you being wrong, is that, again, I tend to these days think of art as not being about art objects anyway. Yeah. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that AI-generated images or AI-generated sounds are art. Uh, like, if I go to, like, uh, Dolly Mini, which I think is yeah. renamed Crayon now, but whatever, and just, like, type in a description and hit enter, uh, I don't think necessarily that the grid of images that come back that I glance at counts as art. I don't think each of those is an individual work of art. But if one of them speaks to me, if I capture that, if I take that and, you know, publish it somewhere else or download it to save or even just have a reaction to it, that does feel like art to me. But yeah. it's, again, it's more about that experience. It's about your experience turning it into art. And I think that you can 
reasonably experience AI generated images and sounds as art. Yeah. I mean, I think you can reasonably experience anything as art, but I think that those are, I, I recognize that that can be an artistic experience is the sort of pedantic distinction that I'm trying to make as opposed to those objects are inherently art, which is a thing that I'm not convinced yeah. means anything. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And we've talked about this before that both of us kind of feel that, I mean, not to get too into the weeds, we have other episodes if you want to listen to these, but like that, you know, something being experienced as art is what makes something art. Yeah. And it seems unambiguously clear to me that people have experienced AI-generated images and sounds as art, and yes. therefore I'm willing to accept them as art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I think one of the big issues um, that a lot of people have is it's, it's this thing that comes up. A AI certainly has some unique kind of issues to it, but it's this thing that comes up time and time again in art when a new medium emerges and it doesn't yeah. operate in the same bounds as the medium that had previously been established. And because of that, yeah. people start to say, oh, well, these are the bounds of the other medium, so it must not be art. Something that it really yeah. reminds me of in the music world is that kind of talking point that in like the like late 2000s, early 2010, when um, EDM music was really like starting to take off in the mainstream and like dubstep was yep. becoming popular, that that phrase that everyone liked to say where they're like, oh, like <laughs> pressing a space bar doesn't make you a musician, right? And yeah, playing the space bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah, I've, I've seen a dozen different kind of variations of that thought, which yeah. is an incredibly, like, clearly just like a bad faith thought, you know, like that's clearly not. Yeah. But I, I do think it's very similar where, you know, for a long time, the conception of what made one a musician was playing an instrument. And yeah. Now, in the modern age, when you could start to make stuff with computers and you could start to create stuff digitally, I mean, what is an instrument is, you know, another philosophical thing. But I, I, I don't yeah. think assembling music on a computer is playing an instrument, but I don't think it doesn't make you a musician. You're just using a tool that is not an instrument. You're using a computer to make music. Yeah, I mean, the same basic argument goes back a lot further, too. Like, you look at discussions around use of samples. Yes. Where they're just like, oh, you didn't play the guitar there. And it's like, that doesn't matter necessarily. It's more about how you're using that. And, you know, you, even a little bit further back, you can look at things like programmable synthesizers and yeah. programmable drum machines and the discussions around those and whether those counted as playing instruments. You know, in, in a lot of cases, especially with a drum machine, you know, if you're tapping the thing in, you're still physically doing a thing. But even if you're not, again, this sort of goes further forward and forward. And we look, especially when you get to stuff where you've just put together an entire track in like Ableton or Logic or whatever, and what you're doing in the moment is pressing the space bar. There's still so much work and thought and craft and experience that goes into building a thing that will create music when you press a space bar. I could press my space bar right now. All it would do is pause the recording yeah, of this Ghost audio, Notes episode yeah. <laughs> and just make Caleb mad. So I'm not going to, but, <laughs> or at least make his job harder. But no, I, th I think that like, again, when I frame art and when I frame music as being about experience, a lot of that is about 
separating out the technical skill and physical, not necessarily the physical performance, because you can potentially hear or witness the physical performance, but to separate out the artistic input from the artistic output. Yeah. Because this, this is the thing I've been talking with a friend of mine about a lot recently, uh, which is sort of like the idea that art is about communication feels to me like it feels wrong to me. I, I think that art is about the artist saying something and it's about the listener or the uh, viewer or whatever hearing something. But it's But it's not, there's no reason for those two things to be the same. Yeah. And so I think that having me hearing guitar come from you playing guitar doesn't make my experience any more authentic than if you had like used a sample of i don't know Jimmy Page playing guitar yeah yeah i think that i think that sampling is a great kind of analog for ai because one of the big arguments that i see about ai is these people aren't creating they're just curating but that's entirely what sampling is. Sampling is curating with, you know, curating yeah. into something new, but it's curating existing stuff. And I mean, in other art fields as well, uh, that's what collage is. You know, it's it's yeah. creating. Like this is, sampling is, I think sampling is probably the uh, kind of clearest example of it because of how, you know, sampling is the cornerstone of hip hop and hip hop is the most popular music in the world right now. And so yeah. like, it's very easy to use sampling as an analog, but I think there's, there's lots of art. There's lots of, uh, lots of artistic practice. There's lots of craft that is just curating. And that is perfectly valid. And in fact, has a lot of strengths that, you know, this is not to say any form is better than another. It's just that is the form yeah. that that is the strength of it has pros and cons. Yeah. And it yeah. And I agree with you, but this also sort of brings up that the big business side of the things that I did want to talk about. Yeah. Which is that a central component of your argument there is that if you look at sampling, sampling was used to make something new. And if you look at say hip hop, hip hop is not just taking the samples and doing a different thing that's similar. Hip-hop was a fundamental transformation of those samples yes. into a completely new genre of music. But if you look at the way current AI art systems work, a lot of that is very inherently and intrinsically derivative to the point where if you look at a lot of the very successful like AI artists, people who are like making these beautiful images by figuring out like correct prompts and whatever. A lot of the time, if you look at the prompts, a big component of it is like in the style of someone else, an existing artist. Make make me work that is this artist's thing, but that they never made. And that I think is where it starts to cross the line for me in terms of whether or not it is I don't want to say like a real artistic contribution. Yeah. Again, I, I think it is unambiguously an artistic experience, but on the side of like professional stuff, if I have built my living, like a real, like if you look at like the strokes, the strokes yeah. is a band, but if I can go to a website and just generate new songs by the strokes without, you know, having to pay them without having to whatever, like anytime I want, then there starts to be the question of like, maybe for like a big band like that, someone who is already established, they can get away with that because they're still, they have their own reputation. But if I find like some obscure band that no one's heard of and I just generate a dozen songs that sound exactly like what they're doing because I like what they're doing and I publish those, 
I don't know that legally it's plagiarism, but it feels like it's operating in the same conceptual space as plagiarism. What degree of difference is there between that and Led Zeppelin generating Howlin' Wolf songs, right? Yeah. Most art is started by people imitating other people's stuff. And the difference, a a, a lot of the time, I mean, the the blues is a, a very clear case of it. You know, there's these replicable forms and stuff like that. Um, But all art is kind of built off of this iteration. And what creates difference in my mind tends to be the person curating it, you know, the person, the, the different life experience of, so someone could make a song, you know, they could say, okay, make me a song that sounds like the strokes, but which song that sounds like the strokes that they pick out of the ones that are prompted what they think sounds most accurately like the strokes is the artist is always going to be present in this stuff and yes some of it will be more derivative but there's a whole lot of art that is derivative this isn't something new i mean in the in the 60s there was this whole phenomenon of sound alike singles where because record distribution, you know, the world wasn't as globalized, there wasn't the same networks of distribution. A lot of people like in the UK, there would be these studios that would hire musicians to record songs that sounded, you know, exactly like whatever big rock and roll song was taking off. And this is actually how like David Bowie and Elton John got some of their starts recording this stuff. Just to weird little aside um but yeah like the idea of producing something that sounds exactly like something else is not new yes ai makes it easier but i think again this is this is where stuff veers into the business but i still want to keep on the philosophical level here so we can touch back to the impact on artists later but i think philosophically i don't really think that there's that much difference between an AI emulating an existing musician and, you know, a musician emulating an existing musician. The one thing I do want to say before we move on from the business stuff is just, I I, I don't disagree with you, but I think it's worth noting that the Led Zeppelin example is kind of telling in that all these white rock and roll artists coming in and basically re-recording blues songs didn't go great for a lot of blues musicians. That is true. Like That's a very good and point. And so from a professional standpoint, I think that that is probably an example of why the concern is real. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, philosophically, I don't disagree with you. Um, I mean, I think there is an extent to which there's a question of how much input you are required to have, right? Like, I think that as much as I'm not going to argue that, like, skill is an important, is an inherent part of art performance. Like, I don't think yeah. that... Being a physically a more physically talented guitarist necessarily makes you a better guitarist. I think that trying to, as a human, write from scratch a song that sounds exactly like what Imagine Dragons is doing to pick a band that's popular now requires you to make a lot more decisions than telling a computer to generate a song that sounds like an Imagine Dragons song, but is about whatever. I think that there's a lot more choices that you have to make, and those choices are where the artist comes through. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, I think think you're right on that. Uh, I don't think that that... I don't think that that discounts, you know... No. ...that there there are still choices. I agree that there's 
more choices. And again, it's, yeah. I'm just sort of, I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here yeah. because you seem to feel a lot more strongly about this. And so I'm- Yeah, no, I- Like, I'm not, I, I believe the things I'm saying, but I'm, I'm trying to take a little bit of the opposite stance just to fully explore this. Yeah. Just to be clear on where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. Um, I think I think a lot of this comes down to, to those questions of, um, something that I've seen seep into it a lot is the concept of effort. And I know this isn't what you're saying, yeah. but this is what a lot of people online are saying that it's kind yeah. of, you know, you can kind of um, make it makes artists obsolete when you can do their whole job with clicking a button. But that's that's not how art has ever worked. No. Um, artists, there will always be like, I do think I do think there are going to be people that find success curating AI music, but I genuinely don't believe that the people doing the best, most interesting AI stuff are going to be people just, you know, plugging in the same prompt and pulling. And even if there, even if there are people that are just plugging one prompt in and pulling, it's still that there's still a level of, you know, sophistication and knowledge and that comes from years of listening to music, understanding music, things like that, that people will be able to like, like, yeah, it will be able to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. I think that something also with this, that this, this is kind of moving on a little bit in the philosophical thing, but something sure. that I really want to talk about that I see absolutely nobody online talking about with the with AI art is everyone seems to be talking about like like envisioning it as this weird dichotomy between AI art and traditional art practices but as i see it like the ability for somebody to create a song with the click of a button does not stop people from then you know taking taking a part of that AI song that they like and yeah. being like, okay, I like this groove. Let's record this with a live band and then turn that into a song. You know, in I've been doing some visual yeah, or experiments. Or just sample parts of it. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been doing a lot of visual experiments with Dolly um, and doing stuff on my TikTok with AI art um, because that's, that's something, that's a potential that I feel is getting washed over in these kinds of discussions that seem to frame these as things that are diametrically opposed to each other, you know, where yeah. the, the the reality is, I, you know, you could call it collaboration with AI, but I don't like, I don't like calling it collaboration with AI yeah. because it, you know, implies a level of agency that I don't believe AI has. I think it's just using a tool, but yeah, yeah. Like I, I can even, I can even picture, and I'm sure there are people doing it, but you know, like visual art picture people, you know, using AI to, you know, help them with lighting or to create a texture that's hard to create. There's all of yeah. these approaches for AI with, um, when it, when it's conceptualized as a tool, not as an artist. And I think that's one of the big problems is so much of the discussion is kind of conceptualizing AI as an artist when, you know, I, it, uh, to get back into our definitions a little, like I, I believe that yep. AI art can create art or create stuff that is seen as art, but I don't think that in that case, the AI is the artist. 
No. I mean, this this happens a lot with advances in music technology. Like, you look back at drum machines, yeah. and uh, there was a big concern at the time. I think not unjustified, but, like, there was a big concern that this would just replace drummers and that drummers wouldn't be necessary anymore. And, like, that there's an extent to which that, you know, did happen in some cases. But also, if it weren't for drum machines, we never would have had Jay Dilla. Yeah. Like you need that level of mechanical precision and programmability to do what someone like Dilla was doing and what a lot of hip hop producers have done since. And so like there's almost always when you have a, t- a new tool, it will make some parts of the previous process less necessary, but it will also open up new avenues, things yeah. that you couldn't have done without it. And I, I don't know what that is for AI music yet because we're not, really there yet and I don't like making predictions about the future of art but it there will be really interesting things yeah. that people do with the capacity for AI to generate music that is feels unambiguous to me I genuinely believe that for the first time since basically since hip hop and EDM we're going to have a new music um like an a genuinely new musical movement yeah. that sounds unlike things before but i don't think it's going to be you know people plugging in ais and emulating things uh that happened before i think it's going to be it's going to be created in the places where ai fails to emulate stuff you know it's yeah. going to be created there's that great brian eno quote about, you know, like, why we love degraded film, you know, distorted guitars. We like, we love the sounds of technology pushing itself to its limits and breaking apart. And I think that that is the space where AI is going to be really interesting and where there's going to be really interesting art made made because I, I think there's a lot of people that are rightfully so afraid that AI is going to be able to perfectly emulate stuff. But I just... I just don't believe that as someone yeah. who spends a lot of time, uh, like a lot of my process and a lot of my visual process is trying to make digital stuff that emulates and feels like physical medium. Like, like that's, that's very much what yeah. I'm doing with my visual stuff. And I can tell you it is exceedingly difficult because of the actual randomness of real life. It's, it's the way that, you know, we have very good synthesizers that can sound pretty good now, but it is still incredibly hard to get a synth electric guitar line to sound like, you know, like a person playing electric guitar. Yeah. It's a very, very difficult proposition. Yeah. And I think that that's where that's kind of in the in the coming age of AI art. That's one of the things that is going to be really interesting to see is it's it's not gonna the art's not gonna come out of where ai succeeds it's gonna come out of where ai fails and artists taking that and exploiting that failure and using it to create something that can only exist because it's born out of the failures of ai yeah i mean i think like we said i don't necessarily want to be making too many predictions about what future ai music will be like because again these things have shown a tendency to surprise us. But like, I think it is fair to say that we almost certainly won't have AI that will make music like a human does. Yeah. 
until we have artificial general intelligence at the very least. And there is a lot of question among AI researchers about whether or not artificial general intelligence is even a thing that yes. is possible to do. That is certainly a long way off. Yeah. Uh, and so there will always, I don't know what those boundaries will be exactly. I think it would be kind of silly to try and make those predictions in advance, but there will be boundaries. There will be points and humans are very good at finding where their tools break. Uh, so I will not be at all surprised to see that. I think the other aspect of this though, that I want to highlight is paratext. Yes. Uh, which is the, the knowledge that you have about a work of art that is not the work of art itself. And this is, again, like when, when I frame... Art AKA our jobs. Yeah, the whole thing that we do, uh, especially what Noah does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, for instance, I recently did a video about Zombie, uh, the Cranberry song. And I think that a significant part of the experience of that song is understanding the context of the troubles. Yeah. If you don't know that it's a song by an Irish band in the early 90s, you lose that paratext, but it's there if you go looking. And it will always be a part of that work, even if, and I mean, in that particular work, it's, there are part points where it's fairly obvious that that's what's going on if you know what to look for. But having that external context is still a part of your experience of the work. Having that paratext informs the text itself. And so... The thing about AI art is that it loses the human paratext and it, re it replaces it with it. It always it will have a separate paratext. Yeah. Obviously, there will always be a context around an event uh, and there will always be circumstances. And so I don't think it entirely loses the human paratext, though, because there is still someone piloting and curating that according to cultural values, aesthetic practices, uh, you know, all of the things that make up paratext, there are still people, there will still be people, you know, creating yeah. based on that. Yeah, no, like, that's a fair point. I will walk back a little bit what yeah. I said. I think that what happens is it, it fundamentally changes yes. the paratext. Yeah, I agree with like that. Like you, the example that I gave earlier of an AI uh, generating music by the strokes is still not going to be music by the strokes. It may sound exactly the same. You may have no sonic way of telling, but if you know the catalog of the strokes and you know that this song is not a part of it and you know it came from, from a machine, that changes the experience whether or not there is any identifiable sonic difference between the two. I agree with that. And well, I think it's interesting because I think that's something that level of paratext is actually something that makes AI art is, is going to be a cornerstone of of yeah. it and is going to be is part of what makes it kind of uniquely suited to be an art form uh, you know or to be a medium that takes hold in our current era because so many of the questions of our time are around you know AI algorithms human integration yeah. with technology even concepts like like alienation like there's very cool stuff in the way that AI visual art has a really hard time doing human faces and yeah. faces kind of end up in this weird uncanny valley zone. Um, and that in and of itself is a really interesting, you know, like place for artistic, yeah. you know, like influence and thought to be found. Just the question of, you know, built into the text of this art, it's kind of asking, begging questions about the nature of 
self and humanity and creation and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that to go back to your point about like experimenting with where the technology breaks, I think a lot of what makes that so interesting is that paradox, yeah. is that that ability to say like, hey, this is a machine and this is me f***ing around with a machine, you know? Like that's, yeah. that is a b large part of what that art is. But even like outside of that, I think that potentially a very interesting thing to do with AI art and AI music that I see people doing with AI art a lot of the time is including the context of the prompt. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. If I listen, if I take a song that someone wrote, like if I take Dracula by Rob Zombie, he can describe sort of what he was thinking. And I'm sure he has, uh, but he, and he can walk through some of the ideas. But again, because there's so many human choices involved in that, separating out the part that like, separating out those ideas is very difficult to get a full picture of all of the thoughts that went into it. But with AI art, if I can just give it a paragraph, I can show you that paragraph and you can have exactly the same understanding of what went into the machine that I did. And obviously that doesn't tell you the process that went into choosing that prompt. It doesn't show you necessarily all the other prompts you tried that were in that area that didn't give you anything you liked. And it doesn't show you how, like the process of going through the curation list to find the one that like works best. But this was like a big thing when Dolly Mini was a huge yeah. like meme on Twitter was like the results were fine. Some of them were good, but like it wasn't like you were getting really cool images most of the time, but you were getting images that you could put underneath a text box that had a sentence describing an interesting thing to want to find images of. And that, more than the actual results, was kind of the art. Well, and I, I think kind of along with that, part of the experience of a lot of prompt-generated AI art um, is also, yeah, seeing them both and the kind of the disparity between them or how accurately it did them yeah. or stuff like that. Like, like it's not just the text itself. It's looking at these two in concert and being like, oh yeah, that is a Cthulhu beanie baby, you know, or looking yeah. at these two in concert and being like, you know, how did this surreal sentence prompt something that is so strange and twisted and abstract? Like it's, it's, yeah, that's a really yeah. good point that in, in prompt-generated AI art, there's the interplay there. Yeah, it's very much surfacing the machine. Yeah. Which you, you also saw, this is something I've been thinking about because viewers of my channel will know by the time this episode comes out that I've been working on a video about safety dance. And one of the things that informs that song and informs a lot of stuff from that era was really foregrounding the machines. Like it wasn't, uh, the use of a drum machine wasn't supposed to sound like a real drummer. And there were ways to make it sound more like a real drummer, but they largely didn't bother. Yeah. Because that wasn't, it, they weren't trying to hide that they were using a drum machine. They were showing off like, look at my cool drum machine that I have. That was the goal. And so putting that front and center and putting, especially early on in a technology's lifespan, I think you you do often tend to see a lot of this where part of the point is showing access to that technology and showing what that technology is bringing to the art instead of trying to make it look like something else. And so I think a lot of the way we tell AI art from not AI art right now is just that AI art tells you it's AI art. It's yeah. not trying to hide that in any way, either in the art or in the artist statements. Well, yeah, and similar to drum machines, like also in the 80s, like synthesizers really took off and really became interesting when people stopped yeah. using them to try to synthesize real things. 
Like through the yeah. through the 70s, you kind of have the emergence of these synthesizers. But outside of, you know, like craft work, a lot of the people using these synthesizers are just using them to synthesize strings or stuff like that. And that sounds, yeah. you know, really great and interesting. But 80s synth stuff gets really cool when they're starting to create new sounds that sound unlike any instrument. And, you know, when you get into like the really cool synth stuff, the, you know, like Wendy Carlos and Vangelis and people yeah. like this, like they're doing stuff that understand the potential of the synthesizer, ironically, is not in, you know, synthesizing stuff. It's in creating or I guess it's still a yeah. sort of synthesis, but, you know, it's not in synthesizing existing stuff. It's in creating weird it's new, making new expressions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the 80s synth explosion, a lot of that was driven not by like the technology getting good enough. Yeah. But by there being the Yamaha DX7, which was cheap enough. Yes. And part of being cheap was that it was kind of bad. Like as a quote unquote synthesizer trying to synthesize specific instrument sounds, it was not as good as a lot of its predecessors. Yeah. But it was a lot cheaper and more people could use it. And so it started to be much more about what you could do with it and what you could bring out of it in ways that really didn't hide the fact that at its heart, it was a Yamaha DX7. Like that was that was a big part of it was doing that in a way that, you know, sound and that this is a large part of why 80s music sounds like 80s music is that the DX7 was literally everywhere yeah. in so many genres. And like also another thing about it was it was pretty hard to program. And so people just sort of conglomerated around a couple presets that like that everyone agreed sounded good. And so these same like EPN01 is specifically the EPN01 preset is in so many yeah. popular 80s songs. That one piano sound on that one instrument. Uh, because again, it wasn't about sounding like a piano. It wasn't about sound, like perfectly synthesizing all the frequencies and overtones. It didn't. But it was it was a thing that people could use. And so I think a lot of like AI art explosion, a lot of that has again had to do not just with the advances in technology, although it has advanced a lot in recent years, but like the big eruption seems to have been this recent crop of just freely accessible yeah. things. Yeah. Had, giving people access to the tools more than making the tools as good as they can be. Well, and like Dolly Mini changed the game yeah. in a lot of ways. And honestly, like, like that's true of so many, like, like basically any artistic movement. You even look at like, you even look at something like rock and roll. It came out yeah. with the advent of um electric instruments and cheap electric guitars that people could buy right like like there's a, yeah. a lot of a lot of access stuff creates music and yeah it, you're you're dead on with that to circle back to the business side of things for a second i i think i'm good to kind of move into the business side a bit more a bit more heavily right. if you don't have any i mean i'm sure some philosophical yeah. thoughts will come up during it but i would be shocked if they did <laughs> yeah but i think like one area where that overlaps a lot with like the cheapness of tools is that when you and I are talking about art, we're often talking about what like, for lack of a better, less loaded term, I'm going to call high art. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily mean like the like culturally elite status, whatever, but like the point of the sorts of art we're talking about is expression, communication, and experience. Yes. It's about, and so in, in those contexts, the artist wants to make art that is as good as possible. Yeah. But there are a lot of cases 
where there's just a ceiling for how much quality matters. Yeah. These are places where you're really going to see a lot of professional impact because these are things like, you know, commercial background music, right? Like if you're watching a commercial for like a Ford truck, there's there's only so good that the background music can be before you stop caring. Yeah. And that it doesn't have any impact on your uh, interest in buying the truck, which is what they actually care about. And, you know, a lot of... This is one of the early cases where I became aware of like AI generated music uh, was a website called Juke Deck, which was advertising itself as a way for YouTubers to generate background music. It wasn't it wasn't doing like, you know, frequency level generation. I think it just had instrument sounds programmed in, but it was doing like MIDI composition like on the fly that sounded good enough for most, like better than a lot of what people do for background music and YouTube videos, because most people use loops that are way too short. Um, just throwing that out there, if you make YouTube videos, use a long loop for your background music or just don't use background music. Those are both fine options. Please do not use a 10 second loop yeah. for your 15 minute video. It's, sorry, I, unrelated, but pet peeve. But anyway, <laughs> like this is the sort of thing where like it, there is a, an extent to which, you know, if you use the music really well, you can do interesting things with it. Like to pick an example off the top of my head, uh, there's this channel called Polyphonic <laughs> that has been doing these cool audio visual companions where yes. he sort of plays the music song underneath. I, I don't know if you're familiar, but I hate um, the guy. Absolutely hate him. He's been yeah. my rival for my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I, I would never start a podcast with that guy, uh, but <laughs> But no, it just that sort of thing is very creatively using the idea of background music in a way that specifically and actively contributes to the art. Yeah. And even like, you know, if you look at the way Vsauce uses background music, there's a clear deliberateness to when things drop and when whatever. But a lot of people don't. And that's fine. And for those people, there's not much need for the music background music to be better than fine. Yeah. Especially like a lot of like commercial writing, like uh, and like basics, like back underscoring stuff. It just doesn't matter. And so having having these things, tools available, makes them very tempting options as opposed to hiring a composer who then hires a bunch of performer, uh, like hires a bunch of instrumentalists and then hires an engineer to record it and mix it and everything. And all of that has to go into that process. Or you could just type a paragraph into a computer and get basically the same result. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that one is more quote unquote art than the other, but it is a real threat to a lot of entry-level, basic, uh, sustenance-level um, music work because it's really hard to make a living in music just making your own art. That's just not practical for a lot of things. Most musicians rely a lot on session work, and that's sort of the thing that I see a lot going away is access to session work. I, I completely agree with you. I think that the, the big thing with... Um, kind of with that reality is that people use that as a criticism of AI art. It is not a problem of AI art. It is a problem of our economic system that does not Absolutely. value musicians, right? And yes, I think yeah, completely. I think that's something where this is also like on a on a philosophical level, on a ground level. If you're an artist who makes your living doing spec work and you're really, like, afraid of this, I, I understand that fear, and I think that that is a very valid fear. Um, but on a philosophical yeah. level, if you're looking at this um, 
and you're concerned about AI for that that reason, like I think it's a lot more productive to be having conversations about why why do we live in a world that does not value one of the oldest professions? You know, why do we live yeah. in a world that, you know, makes it so difficult for musicians to make a living playing music? And I think that question is really interesting because that ties back to the single biggest technological revolution in music history, which allowed for literally any song you have ever heard and also was probably the single worst thing for the working musician was the invention of the harpsichord. <laughs> the, the, I was going to say the invention of recording technology. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I knew where yeah. you were going with that. <laughs> recording technology. And if you look at the time, there were a whole lot of, there were a whole lot of people, you know, writing think pieces about, you know, this is going to replace musicians and all of these things. And in a lot of ways, yeah. they were right. It made it a lot harder to be a working musician, but also it created an absolute explosion from the artistic side. And I mean, recording technology also did create musical careers for a whole different kind of musician. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, I, th I think I completely agree with you on that point. I do want to emphasize, which I, I don't think this is what you were saying, but I do want to emphasize that the fact that people have complained about this before doesn't mean those complaints weren't and aren't correct. Yes. Uh, which I, I think you were getting at there as well. So I like, I'm, the big thing for me is that like I want to live in a world where AI music and AI art is just an unambiguous good. Like that is deeply, yeah, by a wide margin, the world I want to live in. I don't think it's necessarily healthy or helpful to pretend we do. Yeah, and I think that again, you're you're talking about you know asking why we don't make it easier to support support yourself as a as an artist. And I agree that's an important conversation. I don't think that there's not space to have both conversations at the same time. I agree. Um, but I also think that I also think if you're if you're looking at it as, you know, if you're looking at it as a strict numbers of people like employment and people yeah. making a living and stuff like that, I think that you are remiss if all that you're focusing on is AI art because ultimately like I don't yeah. think anything is going to stop this AI art from coming. This is it's coming, it's happening. And I think that a lot of the focus on like I see a lot of people, you know, kind of criticizing the usage of AI art and stuff like that. And yeah, I I do think both can agree both can, you know, exist, but I don't think saying AI yeah. art is bad for artists is going to stop AI art from being used because the kinds no. of people that will use it to replace artists are the kinds of people that don't care about musicians, right? The kinds of people, the big companies that will use it for spec work, you know, the Ford truck commercials and all of this kind of stuff, they don't give a sh about musicians and no amount of appealing to them is going to stop them from using this if they genuinely believe that it can replace musicians. And honestly, on a bigger level that could happen, I don't think it'll happen because people's personalities are so tied to pop music. But if studios, like, like make no mistake, 
if music studios, if AI gets to a point where music studios can have AIs that are getting charting top 40 hits, they will do it at the blink of an eye. None of yeah. the people who are actually using this stuff that in ways that is genuinely threatening to musicians give a f about musicians. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. I think that it, it does sort of make the discussion feel a little, I guess, philosophical inherently, just because yeah. at the end of the day, like you say, if, a lot of times the places where AI music can most effectively replace human music are the places where you're paying the least attention to the music. Yeah. Those are the places where like it just you have to know it's AI music to care. Again, like in the, the Ford truck commercial, like, yeah, are you are you going to do the work to figure out that this commercial uses AI music and therefore boycott Ford because of it? Because if not, they don't care. Yeah. And most people are not. Uh, I do think the the pop one is an interesting question. Again, coming back to the question of paratext. Yeah. Where I think that if you look at someone like, say, Taylor Swift, right? Because she's, she's been in the news yeah. recently with the whole Ticketmaster thing as of recording. Uh, that'll be like a month ago by the time you hear this or more. Uh, but recently that's been a huge thing. And that is partly because people like the music, but also because a lot of her fans are very attached to her. And you see this with a lot of pop musicians. You th see this with Beyonce, certainly. Uh, you see this with like Cardi B. You see this with basically anyone, like Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Basically anyone who's doing pop music at a high level is relying partly on making good music. I'm not like going yeah. to argue that they're not making good music, but they are also relying very heavily on your attachment to the paratext of their work. And that... Ultimately, I, I guess a lot of it, like you look at songs about heartbreak, for instance, songs about breakups. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, it relates to whatever experience you have. But part of that is also an understanding of the universality of that experience and the connection with someone else having felt that I too. Think, and I think especially, especially in the modern age, music more than ever yeah. is about the personalities of the artists. Because in, in like kind of, in the like early to mid 60s and the 50s and 60s it was less about that and like that's when you have like motown you know the hit factory yeah. kind of churning this stuff out but with social media it is yeah it's so much about yeah. that in that sense pop artists are probably safe yeah. for quite a while i think there will be you know one ai that you know has a few yeah. charting hits on the novelty of it being an AI. Kind of like how, you know, Gorillaz came out and, you know, there's a few virtual bands, but there's not really that many virtual bands that exist, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, Gorillaz was not just the idea of having some cartoon characters be your band. Yeah. Gorillaz was a dude who made really interesting music with that idea. Yeah. And also was the first person to... I, I, I'm going to be very careful about my use of the word first, but the first person I'm aware of to do basically that thing. Yeah. And so it had novelty to it. Uh, but, you know, the they, they tried this the with person, a but... <laughs> I don't know if you remember uh, FN Mecca. Yes. Oh, yeah. But they, um, that that whole debacle where they, they tried to do like an AI rapper and it turned out, A, that like the use of AI was wildly overstated. B, it was just some white guy using it to do some real weird yeah. minstrel yeah. show stuff. Yeah, real racist And C, it got dropped pretty immediately. Yeah. I, because as soon as there was any attention on it, everyone hated it. I think when AI music, uh, and I do think it's an 
win, not an if. I do think when AI music, you know, enters the pop world and enters the charts, it will be through yeah. a musician who is still kind of, you know, you know, who is still a musician who has their yeah. own personality, who, you know, curates AI stuff in a certain way, has their own voice. It won't be... You know, when I was when I was talking about it earlier, it was more as a more conceptual. I don't actually think yeah. that, you know, I don't think that UMG is going to be able to put together a pop making AI. Um, I think, you know, no. when when AI music hits the top 40, it'll be someone who is an AI musician, but, you know, talks about, you, you know, is a pop star in yeah. every other traditional sense. Um, and yeah, there's it's a person behind it and also probably someone making their own sonic contributions. Yes. Like this was again to go back to the safety dance video that I'm literally working on right now. Uh, an important component of that is that it's not all electronic sounds, that you have Ivan Doroschuk doing his like yeah. weird, goofy vocals that make it feel much more human than it would without. And I don't think the song could have gotten nearly as big as it did if it didn't have a sense that there was still a human making this. I would not be surprised to see, you know, a rapper who predominantly uses AI beats, but writes his own bars yeah. over them. Right. Yeah. And creates that sounds his own very AI plausible to me. Like, yeah, as, as I'm yeah. saying that, I'm sure there's probably people doing that already. You know, like that, that, yeah. that to me seems like something that could happen. There are versions of that. I'm blanking on the name, but a friend of mine showed me a while back an artist who, you know, was uh, she was collaborating with, you know, collaborating. I, like you say, it's a complicated word because it applies yeah. a lot more agency than AI systems have, but was using AI to generate a lot of the musical ideas and then writing her own parts on top of it. Yeah. And I'm blanking on the name. I wish I could tell you who this was. It's an idea that's out there and that I think is if AI music does become a pop phenomenon, which I, I would not be surprised if it did in that context. I, I would be surprised. If there's a person underneath it. I will be very, very surprised if it doesn't in some way. You know, whether it's that, whether it's someone, yeah. you know, like doing songs, which again, I'm pretty sure people are doing where they'll, you know, write a melody as a prompt for the AI and then get the AI to finish the song yeah. or whatever. Like there's, it's, it's, I would be genuinely shocked if that, if we don't get some kind of AI contributed music. But yeah, it's not going to be, yeah. You know, the studios pressing a button and creating yeah. that. But make no mistake, if they could, they would. Um, they, oh, in yeah, a heart. No, hands down. Yeah. And, you know, and they, they might be able to, as long as they can put a human face on it. Yes. I just don't, because of the way pop music works now with social media and with everything, like, I would be pretty surprised if they could do it without a human face. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think something that... You know, this is to get a little more into the political side of this stuff. But if yeah. you're worried about AI art and AI replacing musicians and replacing working musicians and artists, which, as we've established, there is very good reason to be. I genuinely yep. believe the single best thing that you can advocate for is universal basic income. That is the way that you allow AI to exist without affecting the livelihood of artists yeah yeah not to get too like too into that but i i do think to me like, like it is it is such yeah. a kind of glaringly obvious way to address these issues which yeah. isn't to say you know it's ubi is a whole complicated thing and i don't want to get into that yeah, there's, there's a lot to um, unpack with it but, but broadly speaking the idea that like you know the issue here 
is that like artists need to be able to sell their yeah work through do a lot of session work a lot of the times and sell their technical skill and technical labor is a large part of how we get to a situation where a system that people can use to make whatever art they want to make is bad. Yes, exactly. And a system that makes it easier for more people to make art um, as well, which is a huge part. There is a democratizing force of AI art. It does allow people to make art, especially... I I, th- I think especially like, you know, like my use of AI art in visuals, it is not in visuals where I would otherwise commission art from an artist. It is just in it, it allows me to play around with these visuals that I never would make otherwise. There's no replacement yeah. happening there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I mean, to, we're running a little bit long, yeah. but to, just to get into another point that I think we didn't necessarily hit as hard as maybe is worth hitting here. Yeah, I'm I'm fine to run long on this one. Is, again, the question of skill and virtuosity yeah. as a measure of artistic quality, which I think, again, I, I think we just have to do a whole episode on at some yes. point. That, that have is, we not I have so already? I thought we did one on that. I don't, did we? I don't know. I, we did one about... We talked tangentially about it enough, so... Yeah, it comes up a lot, but I think at some point we just need to sit down and, because I don't think we have. Okay. I think we talked about, like, we did one about, like, auteurs and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And sort of the great man theory of uh, history and music history specifically. But like, I don't think we've ever really sat down and talked about skill and virtuosity as defining factors of musical quality. But I think you see this a lot where like, yeah, part of the pushback towards AI, especially AI visual art is people being like, well, I spent a decade perfecting my craft to get the perfect brushstroke to make the exact statement I wanted to make. And you typing a paragraph into a computer is not the same level of effort and skill, and so it makes it less art. Often, notably in this, it there there is a degree of that that plays into it as well with you typing that in with my name and saying in the style yeah. of me. Yeah, and, and and again that that aspect like people using something that is explicitly someone else's style, like very explicitly derivative. I'm very sympathetic to that point. Yeah, but like broadly speaking. This idea that, and I mean, again, this this comes back to the distinction between the philosophical side and the business side, because part of that is that part of what makes artistic labor valuable in the marketplace is that it is highly specialized and difficult to acquire. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of skill that goes into being a good enough guitar player to get consistent session work as a guitarist. That limits the pool of people they can draw from, and that makes it so you can charge more. And that's, from that aspect, I totally get it. It's where, again, this comes back to the thing I was saying at the beginning, where these business concerns and the philosophical concerns sort of blur, yeah. where the idea that it taking more effort makes it more commercially valuable means it gets conflated with the idea that it taking more effort makes it more artistically valuable, that it makes it a more real yeah. artistic statement. I think that's an argument that falls apart pretty easily, but a lot of people lean on it because... It sounds good, you know? It seems to make intrinsic sense that quality comes from hard work and dedication to the craft. And often that brings quality, but you know, like it's, it's the, the entire question in, we, we were, we're in a Slack together and there was a discussion uh, of AI art and I brought it up and talked about like, like the example I used, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring is a absolute 
masterpiece that is, you know, the brilliant culmination of, you know, somebody who is virtuosic and has spent his life dedicated to research of music and all of this stuff. And Rise Against by Black Flag is a two minute punk song that Henry Rollins probably wrote in 20 minutes and the band banged out um, in like probably one or two sessions. And I consider there to be no artistic gap in, you know, a perceived like quality or value, if you want to call it, between these yeah. two things. Right. They're they're both they're both monumental achievements. Yeah, as, as I argued in a recent video, I think it's very easy to undersell the artistic skill and technique of bands like Black Flag as well. Yes. So I, I don't want to yeah. give them too little credit there. Uh, but I think an important point on this is that if you look at most cultures, not all cultures, I want to be I always want to be very careful when I say that, but a lot of cultures that aren't like modern American and European capitalism. Yeah. Music rather is less of a thing that musicians do and more of a thing that people do. Like it's, yes. it's very much a communal activity in a lot of places. And you just, you just, you know, an instrument or you sing or you, you know, you tap a rhythm. And that's just like part of being a part of the culture is making the culture's music. And we still have that in like America, right? Like we still have oh, 100%, like people who yeah. just, you know, who play Wonderwall at, on an acoustic guitar at a party. Like that's not, yeah. that's not complete, but there's a clear conceptual difference between like, these are the professional musicians. They are yeah. good at making music. You are some doofus with a guitar. You are fine at making music for fun. And like, that is one thing that I think the extreme accessibility of AI art has the potential to break down a little bit where it just becomes so easy for anyone to make something that sounds like what professional musicians do, that the cultural role of the professional musician, I don't want to say becomes unnecessary. It doesn't at all, but it becomes, it changes the relationship of the average person to the idea of music and makes yeah. it clearer that you are a musician. You can make music. If you have a physical body you can use that body to make music. And if you're listening to this, you probably do because that yes. eardrums are part of bodies. Unless you're an AI r reading this, you know, to study up on opinions of AIs to get smarter. Yeah, I was really mean to you if you're an AI, yeah. so I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't, like, uh, Roko's Basilisk me. <laughs> Honestly, like so many of our topics, like, I, I still feel like we're scratching the surface of this discussion because yeah. I think this is, I think the question of AI art is like, like it's obviously, yeah. you know, a little bit of like in vogue and in the discourse right now, but I think it is just going to be one of the continuing artistic questions of yeah. our generation. You know, like I think this is something, a yeah, it, it's something that's here yeah. to stay and it's something that, we as artists, as art enjoyers, as people and members of society are going to figure out how to deal with one way or another over the next few decades. And it's a really quickly evolving conversation, too. Like yes. as technologies advance, as like as new things happen, as artistic movements advance and people find new ways to use those technologies, we're, I think we're at a really exciting time with AI art, like less so with AI music specifically, I don't think we're really there yet with AI music, but I think that we are starting to see 
the ability to use AI generation to make new art in ways that are really interesting. And we don't know what it's going to be like yet. Yeah. And we don't know where it's going to go. Anyone who tells you that we do is selling something vastly over optimistic about their ability to predict or possibly selling you a product. Uh, That's another possibility. But like it just there's so much potential and so much and, and the conversation and the reality on the ground is changing so quickly that I don't know by the time this episode comes out maybe it's already obsolete maybe we've said a bunch of things that don't make any sense in the current context of a month or two from now when you're listening to this so who knows when global international UBI has been introduced and all musicians are happy just to make music yeah yeah it could happen within the next month or two (laughs) could it (laughs) well maybe (laughs) Unlikely. Um, I'll give you unlikely. I will concede <laughs> that point. I'll, I'll I'll shake the magic eight ball and see what it has to say. <laughs> yeah. So all of that's to say, please, by no means, consider this a comprehensive conversation on AI. No. If anything, I hope this can serve as a bit of a launching off point for you. If you haven't thought much about AI, or even if you have, hopefully, we can stir some more thoughts and. Just because this is this is an ongoing conversation that's going to continue in music. Yeah. We'll probably talk about AI in some form or another on the podcast. We really want to get someone who does know the technical stuff on and do an episode talking about AI music from that perspective as well. So yeah, keep keep your eyes out. Yeah. And I guess sort of to summarize, at least where I'm at at the end of this, and you can let me know if this resonates with you. I think the potential for AI music is very real and very exciting, but the concerns are also very real and very scary. And both of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And I think like something that's really important for me to hammer home is that it's easy when you're thinking on a philosophical level about this stuff, it's easy to get the philosophical and the ground level entwined because obviously they are, but I I really want to reiterate that, at least in my opinion, so many of the ground level problems are not, they're created by AI. They're not really created by AI. You know, they are, AI causing these problems is a symptom of wider problems around how we value art in society and how we value artists in society. That's that's the big thing, is that this is not just something that is happening because of AI. AI is accelerating a trend that has continued for some time of the devaluing of artists and art. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of people making, taking some very well-grounded and important practical concerns and supporting them with some what I would consider kind of kind of dodgy philosophical arguments. Yeah. And I think that it's worth sort of and you wind up making arguments that have further implications that you might not even agree with. I don't know. I don't know you. Like I'm not going to make assumptions about how you view art philosophy based on how I do. Uh but I to me at least feel like they make generalize into problematic ideas. Yes. As a way of pushing back against this particular issue that is problematic in certain areas and deserves to be pushed back on. But then again, it sort of get can get lost to the distinction between those issues and the broader ideas about what art is. 
that are arguably less important than the practical concerns of how artists get paid. Like, I will concede that point for free, but like, it is still like, I, I think, again, a lot of these things can generalize into arguments that concern me. Yeah. Whereas the real practical concerns that these people are responding to, I totally get and totally agree with. And I think are real concerns that need to be addressed and probably, as you say, won't be addressed because the people who can do the addressing are people who just don't care about artists. Yeah. But, you know, that's not great. That's not a great note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. What what I will say, the optimistic note to end on is that while there are scary things, AI art is so exciting and it it is yeah. like it's genuinely genuinely in our lifetime we are going to see i believe something new in music that we really haven't seen before which for me yeah. for me that's really exciting because like there hasn't been musical movements are always tied to technology and there hasn't been a real significant musical movement you know that has its its roots in my lifetime. You know, most of the big ones that have come up in my lifetime, really most of the big movements that have come up in my lifetime came up out of disco, you know, like EDM and hip hop and a lot of this stuff. There's, there's been, obviously there's been movements, but they're more kind of like sub movements and micro things. Not, I think modern EDM is justifiably tied to technologies that happened within our lifetime, but like that obviously has roots going back further as well. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, something new's coming and that's exciting. And hopefully, hopefully yeah. we can work to create a world where this new exciting potential of art doesn't destroy the livelihoods of good, honest, hardworking people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, again, like I, I yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I, I have anything more to add. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we've reiterated the same thoughts enough. Yeah. Personally, I'm looking forward to the day when an AI can just do ghost notes and we don't need to do it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. This is this is probably the easiest podcast for an AI to reproduce. <laughs> All that you need to do is anytime a word is brought up, break into uh like you know like micro level yeah. dissection of what that word actually means on a philosophical level. Yeah, and then just get like way too deep into questions about what art is. Uh, yes. That that helps. That's a lot of the brand as well. Exactly. And also mention Jackson Brown at least once per episode. Oh, yeah. There was no Jackson Brown or Bob Dylan at all this episode. Yeah. They are not well, artists who have been doing all that much with AI. <laughs> for shockingly. some reason. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to call it. This is one of our longer episodes. Yeah. You know where to find us. Go watch that safety yep. dance video. Yeah. Go watch... Did you mention any of your videos this episode? If so, go watch those. Otherwise, watch Noah's stuff in general. It's pretty good. You mentioned the DX7 a lot. I have a video on the DX7. Go watch that. Oh, nice. So do I. Yeah. Cool. Go watch we'll double feature them. there. Go watch both our videos about the DX7. Should, should we stop talking now? Yeah, where this is this is a real epic outro. <laughs> this is a real Return of the Kings situation. <sighs> yeah. Bye. <laughs>